I'm Sydney. And I'm Julie. And this is Restaurant and Retail Revelations. You're listening to episode 41 of Restaurant and Retail Revelations. Thanks for joining us. This podcast is made possible by Revel Systems, provider of the leading cloud point of sale on the market. We've got a great episode for you all today featuring a consumer segment that has seen rapid growth in recent years, which is butcher shops. For many meat eaters, the mindfulness that goes into sourcing meat at butcher shops as opposed to big box grocery stores is what draws their loyalty. That, and of course, the hands-on customer service. And this week, we're thrilled to have Southern Steer Butcher founder and president Greg Snyder with us in the guest seat. Southern Steer Butcher has been quickly expanding across Florida in recent years and focuses on offering fresh cuts from sustainable sources that they know and trust. They're also approaching a really exciting milestone, 10 years in business. That sounds like a sustainable business model indeed, and I'm excited to learn more about this trending space. So with that, let's jump right in to learn more. Here's Greg. Greg, thank you for joining us on the Restaurant and Retail Revelations podcast. We are very excited to have you on the show today. Thank you for having me. So I'm especially eager to talk with you about Southern Steer Butcher, which is a gourmet butcher and grocer franchise that you founded in 2013. And because you're the founder, I'd love to hear from you about how the idea for this concept first came to be and kind of the reason that you put the time and the effort into starting the brand. All right. Well, it goes back to my two original business partners in it. I uh, grew up in the Northeast uh, outside of Boston um, in a community called Londonderry, New Hampshire. And around that region are a lot of independently owned butcher shops that specialize in high quality, great grocery items, uh, marinated meats, homemade sausage, um, you know, a variety of uh, small groceries, I guess you could say. And they had the idea of bringing the concept to Florida, you know, thinking the fact that we had a great uh, grilling season in Florida pretty much all year, um, had, uh, you know, plenty of people to uh, service. And they saw a need in the community to, to put a similar model in uh, the state of Florida. So after visiting the locations up in the Northeast, I saw the opportunity as well and decided to take the leap with them. That's that's such a cool story. Yeah. What a cool concept too. I think there's such a resurgence of, you know, this like concept of a local butcher shop nowadays, when you compare it to like this more generic supermarket. I know mm -hmm. my husband and I, we love our local butcher shop. We we try to go and frequent it as much as we can. Why do you think we've seen this uptick in interest around, you know, purchasing from local butcher shops? Um, and when was it like really clear to you that you had this successful and sustainable concept in your hands? Well, I think people like the personal relationship that goes with going into a butcher shop. Um, you know, they they become familiar with who's there and who's working and know they can get questions answered about how to properly handle and cook the things that they're buying. They know the butcher shops will look for a heightened level of product that you maybe can't find in the grocery store. Um, you know, we can also give you the story behind where all our meats come from. And I think that's pretty predominant across most butcher shops as well. You know, I think the service level versus grocery store, I think is what eventually wins out when you go to, you know, a small grocer versus a uh, big box grocery store because you know it seems to be you walk into one of those and 
everybody that works there is looking away from you. <laughs> and when you walk into a butcher shop, there's only two or three people in there working and you become the focus. So I think that's what really differentiates why people are making that move to the independence and the small, smaller uh, scale type grocer. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing to see a marketplace need and fill it, especially when it comes with more of that personal human touch. Mm -hmm. And a local book butcher shop certainly qualifies. So uh, I'm curious to know a little bit more about your personal and professional journey kind of leading up to this and what ultimately led you to this role? Um, prior to this, I was a managing partner with a fairly large corporate chain. Um very successful. They did really well. well I like to say it was, a, it was a big in my educational journey to learn from how they maintained uh, profits and controlled waste. So the education I got from that experience really gave me the opportunity to apply it here. And it was always in my blood to be an entrepreneur. I, I really had reached a point where I was done seeing the profits go to somebody else and my hard work going in another direction and, you know, getting a portion of it, but I felt for what I was putting into it, I, I was deserving of more. So it was time for me to take the leap to satisfy my own desires to become an entrepreneur and um, take a leap out of corporate America and, uh, you know, hopefully land in a net. It sounds like you have. Um, yeah. No, I think um, this, you know, desire for entrepreneurship is what brings a lot of clients uh, Revel's way. And, and we love to see that. And I think at this point, it's, it's super important to note that Southern Steer is a, a really quickly growing franchise uh, and your team's always accepting new owners. So uh, what characteristics do people need to have in order to be really strong candidates for ownership and where can people uh, find more information if they're interested? Um, well, I think they have to have the belief that the level of service is a differentiator in our brand uh, versus the big box grocers. Um, they have to have a commitment to their community or communities that they're going to service because that's really big in uh, the uh, principles and beliefs of Southern Steer. Um, a food service or prior food service operator is a good start, but it's not necessary. We have uh, developed training to help anyone be able to open one of these. Um, we've, we've really invested a lot in that over the last year and a half. Um, somebody that sees the benefit of reduced labor versus a QSR or a restaurant. Uh, my staffing needs are probably eight to 10 people ever at the Clearwater location. Um, and that's pretty much across the board. The other stores that are open probably only have eight to 10 people on staff, which would include the operator. So um, somebody that sees the benefit of that and somebody that I think enjoys cooking is going to have a passion that they bring to it on a daily basis as well. And where can someone find a little bit more information, Greg? Uh, they they can go to southernsteerfranchise.com. And our, our website is very elaborate. There's a uh, form they can fill out as well if they want to learn more information than what we provide on the website. So Greg, I want to double click on something you touched on already, uh, which is the values that your your brand has and specifically community connection, which is very clear, especially from your website, uh, that it's a priority for Southern Steer. And so I'd love to just talk a little bit more about something else that I came across, which is Project 52. Will you share mm -hmm. just a little bit more about what that is and some of the impact that the program has had to date? Yes, we launched that right when the Sarasota store opened in 2017, which was our second location. 
And it was basically built out of the need for somebody that we knew in the Sarasota community who the father figure was going through uh, a cancer battle. And, you know, they were tapped out on resources and a lot of the energy went into taking care of him. So we put together a, a meal packet for them. And uh, most of them were crockpot meals that they could easily make, didn't take a lot of labor or, or time. And we gave them to the family. And it kind of launched the idea, of, well, why don't we do this every week? What stops us? Why don't we 52 weeks out of the year, <clears throat> see if we can provide somebody some type of service in the community. And it's expanded from the meal packs that we've done for people to we bring in cases of uh, water with our logo on it. And we give those away to local um, sports organizations, youth sports, high school sports to sell in their concession stands. <clears throat> it obviously helps us from a marketing standpoint, but it helps them raise money for their particular efforts. Um, we do give back weekends where we'll do designate a portion of our sales to a particular uh, charitable organization or school or something like that. Um, we've done it uh, different things for firefighters in the community, but we just try to create the spirit of each store doing something for somebody within the community 52 weeks out of the year. Just pick one thing to do and give back uh, and keep that spirit alive through the efforts of Project 52. I love it. Service is so at the heart, you know, of the hospitality industry as a whole. So it's great to see, you know, uh, such a community involvement from you guys with brands like Project 52. Thanks for sharing a little bit more about that and just for all the support, uh, you know, your team's providing your community. And of course, even with great brands, uh, you know, everyone experiences challenges and headwinds. And, um, you know, I'm sure your team has experienced their own fair share. What mm -hmm. are some of the factors you're keeping an eye on right now, Greg, in the marketplace? And what are you working to solve for your stores? Well, from a developmental standpoint, the retail space is getting tighter and tighter to find. Mm -hmm. So we are hunting actively to make sure we can have, we have locations for our operators. Um, that's tightened up pretty, pretty quickly over the last six months. Um, in addition, the build out expenses have increased over the last couple of years. So that's also something we're keeping an eye on and trying to figure out how we can, once we find a location, how we can maybe tighten up the build out. Um, you know, a lot of the supply chain issues that we had, I'd say mid 21 on have kind of settled out a little bit. There are a few items where the prices have stayed a little elevated and, um, you know, we're doing what we can to navigate those. The nice thing is, as we grow, we've been able to take advantage of our, our increased size and utilize some of our buying power so that we can improve our cost of goods, which has happened over the last three years as well. And then we're trying to also find ways to be more efficient from a labor standpoint, because the ever increasing minimum wage and, and labor uh, needs to uh, keep good help continue to rise. So we're trying to find and navigate ways to one, keep the service levels high, but also try to be as efficient as possible so that we don't have to uh, roll that price over to the consumer. Yeah. In light of some of those challenges, there were a few that I, you know, I think um, we'll just have to see how those play out <clears throat> things like the, the property pricing and, and the cost of raw materials for builds. But uh, for some of the others like labor and potentially supply chain, although thankfully less so lately, just what role has technology played in your ability to navigate those, if any, and if not a huge one, do you see any kind of future potential there with the role that tech can play to help offset some of those? 
Yes, we, we, we recently implemented a new point of sale system in the four locations we have, and we'll continue to use that one as we open locations. And the biggest thing that's going to help add to our um, top line is the ability to have a web-based storefront for all of our locations that can be managed by each of the franchisees. And that comes with a partnership with a delivery service that will be able to take the product and deliver it straight to somebody's home. So it'll allow a level of convenience, a way to, to increase our, our sales as well, and potentially, um, you know, reduce the need for the in-store um, manpower or, um, you know, to, to tackle the labor issues that we're having. Very cool. Yeah, it sounds like you're on the heels of untapping a, a really nice new revenue source. Um, mm -hmm. That's great. And, you know, here in the States, weather's warming up, picnic season is a on us, especially here in the Southeast. So does Southern Steer have any notable events, you know, offers, milestones on the horizon that maybe our listeners might want to know of and, and maybe take advantage of if they're in your area? Yes. I mean, every, we, we have a lot of major holidays that we ramp up and get ready for the most, you know, the soonest one coming up is Mother's Day weekend. For those that don't go out to eat, they like to you know, make sure mom has something good to eat at home. Um, we offer different types of meal packages and combos that they can that they can get at a great value and get a great product. They can order through our website. Followed by that will be Memorial Day weekend where we'll do you know big package promotions, barbecue packages that we'll have available as well for our clientele to, to buy. Um, you look into Father's Day and we do things like specials on ribeyes and things like that for dad. We also have a, what we're going to call our Juicy Cuts Club coming out soon which is going to be basically a stake of the month club, one set price, and you're going to get uh, some type of great cut over the next six months from us as well. Um, and then we really, we truly try to do big things for all of our big weekends. Um, there's about nine or 10 of them a year, as well as the Christmas holiday that we, we try to put together special packages that kind of parallel what that event's about and, and, and put those out there for our guests to enjoy. That sounds fabulous. And it's always, you know, happens every time I feel like we have somebody on this podcast is I am hungry by the end of the recording. So <laughs> that's a good sign. Um, no, it sounds like you've got some really great specials. And Greg, at this point, I just want to make sure that we didn't miss anything as we were talking with you today. So can you think of anything that didn't come up uh, in the course of our conversation that you want to make sure you mention before we close things out? Absolutely. Um, we do celebrate a big milestone this year in the Clearwater location that opened up May 17th of 2013. So our 10-year anniversary is in just a few days. So we're super excited about that. We'll be doing big promotions for that to celebrate 10 years for all of our guests that have been loyal to us. Uh, we just started construction on our fifth location, which will be in St. Petersburg, Florida. For those listening, that's near the Tyrone Square Mall. Um, and we have several of our multi-unit deals in the queue right now that should close here pretty shortly. So we're pretty excited about those as well. And it sounds like you've got some huge things on the horizon in addition to the milestones that speak to a really great and lasting brand. So Greg, thank you so much for your time on the thank podcast you. today. And um, you know, best of luck with all of the exciting things to come. Thank you so much, Sydney. Thank you so much, Julie. Wow, there are so many great takeaways from Greg on this episode. The fact that the Southern Steer team can really tell you the complete story behind their products is truly a differentiator. 
Agreed. I, I also love Greg's stance on entrepreneurship. It, it takes a lot of courage to take the leap into starting a business of your own. And it sounds like he was able to pull from his past experiences in business to create the sustainable growing business model that he has in place today for Southern Steer. And despite this rapid growth, I really appreciate that Greg and his team have made significant time for philanthropic initiatives like Project 52, where they give back to their communities in meaningful ways for 52 weeks of the year. That is super impressive. And what's equally impressive is their increasing investment in delivery services for their guests, which is something I'm sure will be music to the ears of many. And as we wrap today's episode, I'd like to extend a heartfelt thanks to our loyal listeners for joining us. And for all the first timers out there, make sure you like and subscribe to Restaurant and Retail Revelations so that you never miss new content. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we'll be back soon with new guests and even more revelations. Thank you.